Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Join with me in prayer as we join our hearts together this morning. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for the great joy that fills our heart and life at coming to be in Your presence of joining our hearts and lives together, of allowing Your uh, precious love to pour out upon us. Lord, more than anything, uh, when we come to worship together, Lord, we, we rejoice at uh, having the uh, the joy that is lifted within us as the Spirit of God uh, unites our hearts and helps us to come closer to You. Father, I pray that You would bless us in this morning. Lord, that You would grace us with Your presence. Lord, that You would help us to hear Your Word. And Father God, help us to feel Your love. Lord, help us, Lord, to, to live and to, to serve You as You call us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. We've been, uh, we started a new set of study last week with uh, a look at Romans chapter 12 about uh, uh, starting a, a new in our life, trying to, to get a fresh start, to get a new start. Uh, a lot of times we think about getting a new start at the beginning of the year, but so often uh, as happens, we make uh, all kinds of New Year's resolutions and, and we decide we're going to do a lot of things. And, and I can't tell you the number of times that I've made a resolution that I'm going to lose 50 pounds or, uh, or whatever and, and wind up gaining weight or, or uh, uh, deciding to join a gym and, and uh, never making it to the gym once I decided to join it. I quit doing that a long time ago. Learned it was a waste of money uh, to do that. For me personally, that, that doesn't necessarily mean you, but uh, and I've had free memberships to gyms given to me. Uh, while I was a student at seminary and while I was in college, I had access to a gym. Did I use them? Pfft, no. I'm um, just like everybody else. I, I you know, get a membership to something like that and uh, they take my money and I never use it. Well, I, I did it one time while I was in college. During the summer, I, I uh, uh, did for a while. And uh, a little bit after that, I, I uh, tried to get out of my membership and found out that I had to nearly die in order to get out of that gym membership. I finally got out of it. Uh, one of the things I had to do was uh, close out all my bank accounts <laughs> to do that. But anyway, we make all kinds of resolutions and all kinds of, of uh, choices in our life. We do a lot of things and we never get around to it. It's amazing that uh, we don't uh, 
uh, think from time to time of making a choice or a desire to start anew in the middle of the year because uh, usually it's about this time of the year we realize how much we've messed up. We've realized how much we haven't accomplished the things that we desire to do. And so it's good to make an assessment and say, hey, I need to change some things. I need to get a fresh start. I need to do some things because I hadn't been doing those. And last week we looked at the importance of worshiping correctly, of having a proper worship, of having a, a worshipful attitude in our life and, and worshiping and, uh, and uh, praising God in an appropriate manner. Today I want us to talk about service as we look at 1 Peter chapter 4. And I want us to think about, uh, I want you to answer something to me now. And these two questions are not that difficult. And believe me, no one's going to be embarrassed by answering these two questions. First answer, how many people in this, uh, in our congregation, in our fellowship this morning, how many of you are ordained ministers of the gospel? Raise your hand. Ordained gospel ministry okay all right now how many raise your hand how many of you are called to ministry raise your hand that's right some of you are getting it some of you are getting it everybody in here should raise your hand if you're a child of god if you have jesus christ in your heart and life you should raise your hand we're all called to ministry even if you are not ordained and set aside or uh, 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 anointed or whatever it might be to the gospel ministry. So many times we think of ministry as only being for those who have been uh, dedicated their life, have been uh, uh, tested and tried by the uh, church council and approved and had hands laid upon and and uh, and that's their life mission and life desire is to minister for God by having uh, that uh, uh, set aside as ministry for God. But really, when we come to know Jesus Christ and our Lord as our Lord and Savior, all of us are called to ministry. All of us have been uh, uh, prepared and have been sent out by God to do ministry. But oftentimes we think, oh, well, the only people that are supposed to serve uh, in the church are the people that are ordained, like the pastor or maybe the deacons because they've been set aside, they've been voted on. So obviously that they're, they're able to go and do work for the church too. But uh, in reality, all of us that have accepted Jesus Christ into our heart and life, all of us that have... Uh, the purchase of the blood upon us have been called to ministry. All of us have been called to service. But so often we think, well, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to sit back and, and let somebody else do the work. Have you ever heard of somebody who's uh, uh, maybe taught Sunday school for a while or, or have been in the church for a while and they say something like this? Well, and I, please understand, I'm not trying to uh, badmouth anybody. I'm not trying to speak, speak ill of anyone at all. I'm not trying to... And right now, Robin's thinking, uh, please don't say it, because if you have to preface all of, uh, all of that with all that, you better not say it. But let me just say this. Uh, if, if you are alive, and if you're still drawing breath, God has still called you to service. God is still calling you to serve and to minister and to be of service in the church. There is no point in your uh, life until you wind up in a pine box up here and you're ready to 
to be planted in the ground, uh, are you able to sit back and say, well, I, I'm old enough, I'm going to let somebody else do. I, I've heard uh, from time to time people that will say that. They'll get to a certain age and, well, I've, I've served the church all my life. I'm going to sit back and let, uh, let, young, let the younger people do. Let me, get, let me give you a little hint. Younger, younger people rarely do. Younger people are hard to get to do just as anybody else is, is to do anything in the church. So we need everybody to understand that all of us are called to ministry. All of us are called to service. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're called to services to help put out uh, uh, napkins and, and silverware at a fellowship or to sweep the floor or it is to stand up and to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ or to teach Sunday school or to serve as an usher or whatever it might be be, God has called us to service and God has called us to ministry and we need to understand that we have a directive from God that we need to, to live up to in our life. Peter in First uh, Peter is writing to churches and he's trying to help them understand that these are uh, for them uh, they felt very much like the last days. They were feeling persecution. They were feeling uh, the struggles and difficulties of living a Christian life in a secular world. Hey, uh, doesn't that sound familiar? We, uh, we battle with, with trying to live a certain way in a world that, that uh, all of a sudden has, has uh, turned on the, anyone who, who uh, seeks to live by any type of morals or standards or, or a code of, of of conduct uh, taken from a religious perspective. We live in a world where it's increasingly uh, difficult to live out your faith in a world that is deriding anyone that shows any kind of faith at all. And we've got such a mixed message in, in society and our culture about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to live out a Christian lifestyle. Anymore, uh, society wants to tell you what it means to live a Christian lifestyle is to just be quiet and don't bother anybody else. Don't get in anybody else's way and just let everybody else do whatever they want to do. That's what uh, being a Christian is like in, in the secular world anymore today. But Peter was writing to a, a church and trying to help them to understand what it means to, to live the Christian life, what it means to have a Christian lifestyle. And, and in First Peter, he, uh, through the first three chapters, he's uh, trying to share with them what it means to live in a society that is, is patently against anyone who declares themselves a follower of Jesus Christ and how to live that kind of life and how to maintain the proper testimony in a world that is constantly... And I encourage you to study First Peter, uh, the first three chapters at a later date, but today I want us to focus on chapter 4 starting in verse, uh, and our main focus is going to be verse 10. But I'm going to back up a little bit to verse 7 because this, and go through 11, because this is basically a, uh, a, uh, 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 a segment that goes together and it says, but the end of all things is at hand. He says, uh, this world is not uh, going to stay the same as it is. And he says, the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watching unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without 
grudging. So here he's saying his, uh, this is the setup of, of the major teaching that's coming in the next verse. And what I want you to understand is that he's saying, listen, uh, things are getting bad. Things are, and it seems like every generation sees what's going on in, in the world and says, boy, I tell you what, everything is so bad. Everything is so uh, awful. And what he's talking about here is the persecution of the church, the persecution in the first century of, under Nero and, and all the things that are happening to anyone who uh, 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 is an adherent of the gospel. See, what happened was is that uh, up under the Roman... Uh, uh, under the Roman... Uh, uh, near, uh, under the Roman rule of Israel and all that at that time, uh, they had been seen... Uh, Christians had been seen as a splinter group of the Jewish faith. Uh, up until this time, everybody... Uh, that was a follower of Christ and was, uh, was part of uh, was considered what we would say as a Christian would be considered as a part of the Jewish sect and and so uh, in Rome uh, because the, uh, the the Jews had such a long history of tradition a long history of of uh, living a certain way uh, the Roman uh, uh, authorities had allowed the Jewish people to continue to uh, observe their practices, continue to observe their faith, because they were no trouble as long as they were allowed to continue to do this. Along comes uh, uh, the first generation of uh, of. Christians with the disciples and all those who are following with Christ and and along comes Jesus and, and he's considered an outlier and so he wasn't really a part of a problem or anything. He was uh, seen as somebody uh, by the Romans as somebody that was trying to stir up trouble so he was taken care of with his uh, death on the cross. And so all those who followed after Jesus after his death were seen as people who just kind of revered uh, this great teacher. And so uh, they weren't uh, seen as any trouble at all up until a certain point. And then, to, and then at, uh, after uh, uh, some years, some of the religious uh, leaders of the Jews said, hey, wait a minute, these, these Christians, they have nothing to do with us. They're, they're trying to destroy uh, your, your nation. They're trying to destroy your kingdom and go against your emperor, so we don't want to have anything to do with them. And so at that point, uh, under Nero, they started to see persecution. And this is where uh, Peter is talking to them about how things are coming to a close. Things are coming to a head. He says, uh, you need to understand this is how you live in a society where things are coming to an end. He says, be sober, be uh, vigilant, be uh, continue in prayer. He says, this is not a time to be slack in your faith. This is not a time to, uh, to let things go. When the world and society is going against us, when everything is going against us, we cannot lose sight of the ball. We've got to make sure that we keep our focus on what we are called to do. He says, in everything... In everything, be sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have a fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. And so what he's saying is, is uh, uh, with each other, with, uh, with, along with, with each uh, believer in your group of, of, of faith, make sure to have love for each other. And in everything that you do, try and show love because uh, in a society in the world that is, 
that is increasingly violent towards those who follow after Christ, we need to show love. We need to show that we're different. We're not going to give back uh, hatred for hatred. We need to show love in the midst of hatred. We need to show how different we are. And and Paul is saying, make sure that you show love. Make sure that you show love, not only to each other, but everyone, because uh, that will help uh, keep from having strife between you and, and your neighbor. He says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Show love, show uh, uh, affection towards one another. Uh, put it into action, not just simply uh, showing love to each other in words, but in deeds as well. Be hospitable to one another. Look what he says in verse 10. As every man hath received the gifts, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And if any man speak, let him speak as in the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability of which God hath given, that God in all things might be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praised and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So I want us to look at how we can serve one another. I want us to understand, first of all, that we are all, like I said a moment ago, we are all called to minister. We are all called to serve God. We are all called, uh, he says, as every man have received the gift. Every one of us is called of God. Every one of us is called to serve. We're not, uh, there's not a one of us here today that is not called to be a minister. You are a, a minister of God. And what minister really uh, uh, comes, the word minister has a uh, significant, significant uh, meaning in the word. The word minister comes from a word that means, get this, minus. Those of you who are teachers, what does minus mean in mathematics? It means subtract, right? Minus means less. And that's what minus means in vocabulary. It means less. And when we are called of God, for God to be the master of our life, we're called to be the minus in that relationship. We're called to be the le- we're the lesser in that relationship, right? If God is the master, Jesus Christ is the master, I'm the minus. I'm the lesser of the two. I'm not called to be I'm not the master of Jesus Christ. I am not above Jesus Christ. I'm not plus. I'm not more than Jesus Christ. I'm less than he. And I'm called to be the lesser of the two. And the root word for minister is minus. Minus. So we're called to be the lesser, the servant. We're called, Jesus Christ said what? He said to His disciples, He who wants to be great in the kingdom needs to be the least in the kingdom, right? While Jesus is there on His knees washing the feet of His disciples, He's saying to them, He told them, listen, use my example. If you want to be the greatest, serve others. If you want to be the the greatest, be the least. 
And so we're called to serve. Each one of us is called to serve. Every one of us is called to serve. All of us. You want to be the greatest amongst everyone else. Jesus says, then be the least. Serve the most. Do the utmost. Jesus said, when you go into a banquet, don't sit at the head of the table. Because if you're not the, the, uh, the guest of honor, the host is going to come and move you to a lesser seat, whatever seat's left available. But he says, when you enter into a room, go sit into the, least, uh, the place of least authority, the place of least respect, the place and uh, uh, in, in, uh, just go sit off in the corner somewhere. And then when the, when the host sees that you're there, he'll come and usher you to the seat of honor. He says, so we're to think of ourselves as lesser, less than other people. Jesus says, I've come not to be served, but to serve others, to seek and to save those who are lost. We're called to serve others, and so we're all called to serve. Then look next what he says, every man, not only every man has been called to serve, but every man hath received the gift. Boy, I tell you, when I looked at this and I studied this a little bit, it knocked my socks off. The word for gift there in Greek, you'll never guess what that word is. It's the word charisma. Have you heard of people with charisma? A charismatic personality, somebody that... A charismatic personality is somebody that just has something. They have something that just makes them stick out. Society in the world wants to say that's the maybe the X factor, the it factor. The word there for gift is uh, charisma. And that word there for gift is not just gift charisma. It is a word that means a special gift. You've been given, every one of us has been called, and every one of us has been given a special gift from God. For what? For service. To serve one another. To ser- uh, and we focus so much on, on the aspect of how we need to be out and ministering to people in our community and reaching people for Christ. And yes, we need to do that. But for so many people, they say, well, I can't do that, so I'm not going to do anything. That's not what God's calling us to do. He's calling us all to service. We have been given charisma. We've been given a special gift from God that we might serve, that we might help other people, that we might do things for each other to help each other in our struggle, in the battles that we face, in the, in the, in the difficulties that we encounter in our life. We're not called to do it on our, on our own lonesome and, and expect ourselves not to, to receive any kind of help. The whole purpose for church is that God calls us out of the world. We are the called out ones. The ecclesia. We are the called out. We've been called out from society and the world to come together. And the reason we come together is to help each other, to serve one another, to minister to one another, to help each other in our daily walk, in our walk to serve Christ. And the things that we do, every one of us has been called. And we've been called to serve the special gift of God. We've been asked... 
I've shared this before and I want to share it again. When I was a little child, uh, because my dad had, uh, my daddy was on crutches, uh, on Christmas morning, my mom and dad asked us to do the impossible. And that was once we woke up on Christmas morning, we were supposed to wait in our room. How cruel. (laughs) Not really. Not really. But for a child, that's the one thing you don't want to do. On Christmas morning, you want to go running into into the room where the Christmas tree is and find the gifts that have your name on it and rip them open and, and start looking at them. But because Daddy took a little bit longer to get in and to get settled, he w- his job was to take the pictures as we came in. Because he had took a little bit longer, we had to wait. Oh, and the, and the anticipation... <coughs> excuse me. The anticipation would just build. We would stand in the bedroom together and we would just get so excited for the because we knew in the other room there was a Christmas tree and there were gifts in there. And then Mama would hit the starter bell. You know, she would hit, uh, she'd say, okay, come on. And we would just take off down the hallway and we'd just run and listen. The hallway wasn't all that long. We didn't live in the Biltmore house or anything. But we would start running and by by the time we got up a good head of steam, we'd have to put on the brakes. Because the end of the hallway was there and we had to cut to the left. And then we had to cut back to the right to get into the room. Uh, but we would go in there and we'd had, of course, we had socks on because the floor was, uh, uh, was wood floors and our feet were cold. So we were sliding on them socks and we were going all over the place, crashing into the end of the hallway. And then we'd make our turn and get in there. And then all of a sudden, boom, we saw the Christmas tree with all the presents. And Mama would have to say, Stop! Because she knew our tendency was to grab those gifts and to tear them open. What little child doesn't do that when it's Christmas morning, right? Now, let me ask you something. Now, Mama's job was to hand out the presents one by one because she wanted to make sure that they were handed out in order and knew which ones were which, and she wanted to make sure that we both got just the same number of presents and made sure that we all had the right gift open at the right time, right? Moms, you do that too, right? Right? You all do that. Well, that was Mama's job. And so when we finally got in there, instead of being able to dive into the, all the presents under the tree, we had to stop, and we had to put on the brakes and wait for Mama to hand us the gifts and we were sitting there, Mama, come on, come on, come on, give me, the, give, me, give me the big one, give me the big one, give me the big one. And she's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. But let me ask you something. When all the gifts are handed out, do you just leave gifts under the tree with already all wrapped up and everything? Do you do you say whenever you see a gift under the tree, you immediately say, "What, well, mama, mama, mama? Wait, there's still something under the tree. Hand those out too. Hand those out, right? It's unheard of to leave a gift under the tree wrapped up, and you know it's for one of you, and it, you just don't do it, right? Then why, as we as Christians, leave our spiritual gifts unopened? Why do we? not tear into those gifts of God that He's given us. Why don't we just, like a maniac, rip off, you know, 
you don't take the time to politely take off the wrapping so that mommy, mama can save the Christmas wrapping paper. You better pray that that wrapping paper is the cheapest stuff in the world because you're not going to... You're not going to... Uh, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You, you're not going to take care to unwrap it with, with care and so that you don't rip the paper or anything. No, no, no. You just, wrap, you just tear it open and like that, right? If anything, you might save the bow. The bow. At the least. But usually that gets all torn up too, right? That that just gets all messed up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, heaven, you're not going to leave a present under the tree unwrapped. I mean, wrapped up still. You're going to, you're going to, you're not going to leave that under there. But we as Christians so often ignore the gifts that God has given us. Ignore and thank you, Brother Leon, for singing this morning. What a wonderful gift of God that you shared with us today. What a what a wonderful gift these musicians share week after week of being able to play music and we glorify God and we worship God with these wonderful gifts. Each one of us has been given a gift and God wants us listen. God's just like mom and daddy. We're eager to see you tear into those gifts and be surprised and and so excited about those gifts. God is the same way with His gifts for us. Now, Peter doesn't go into all the different gifts, doesn't go into all the different uh, aspects of the spiritual gifts, saying anything about any of them other than uh, in the next verse he says, hey, if you're going to speak, speak as uh, as the oracles of God. If you're going to minister, minister uh, with everything. He's saying, listen, whatever gift you have, use it to the utmost. Use it for God's glory. Do everything you can to, uh, to magnify God in the gift that you have. Ladies, when you cook, glorify God in those wonderful cakes and, and casseroles and things that you cook and just magnify God by serving God through the wonderful things that you're able to create. If you're an artist, create to glorify God, to magnify His Word, to, to proclaim to others his wonderful love. If your uh, gift is of service, serve as if you are serving God. If you are, if your gift is to is to be a mechanic, to tinker with things and make them work, do it as if you are doing it for God. If you are, if your gift is to craft words together to to make people think and to and to cause people to have joy use it for the glory of God he says in everything even so minister to one another lastly thirdly i want you to see that we are to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God god has given us these gifts as a grace as a evidence of God's grace towards us. Use them as proper stewards. Use them as God has intended. Remember the the parable that Jesus gave of the talents and how uh, uh, He said that a, a rich man, an overseer, 
came to his, his servants and he gave one ten talents, one five talents, and one one talent. And he went off for a period of time and he came back and, and he found the one that had ten had multiplied it to ten more. And he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the one that had five talents, he had doubled it to ten talents. And he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you uh, to be responsible for many things. And then he came to the one he'd given one talent. His responsibility was the least. He had one talent that he was given. And he said, here's your one talent. And the master said, what do you mean, my one talent? What did you do? And he said, well, I knew you were harsh. You were a man that, that uh, took adv- every advantage that you could. That you uh, did everything you could to multiply your wealth. And he said, I was fearful, so I went and hid my talent in the ground. And here it is. I brought it back to you. He was furious. Why? Because he had hid his talent. Because he had done nothing with his talent. He said, give it to the one who had ten talents and then cast this one into utter darkness. God gives us talents. He gives some of us a lot of talents. He gives some of us a few talents. He gives some of us at least one talent. And all He expects us to do is to use that talent to His glory and honor, to be a faithful steward. He doesn't call for the one with one talent to all of a sudden come back with ten more talents. He calls them to be faithful. And He calls us to be faithful with the talents that He's given us. He calls us to be faithful to serve Him and to use what He's given us for His glory and for His honor to be proper stewards. Are you a proper steward today? Are you a steward of the, of the gifts that God has given you? God's enabled you to do so many different things. And and let me tell you something. You probably have a few gifts that you haven't even shared with anybody else. You probably have a, a gift or two that you haven't even used outside of the privacy of your own home or wherever you might be. God's calling you to use your talent. Listen. He's not calling you to be some Hollywood entertainer. He's not calling you to be the best in the world. He's not calling you to to over uh, be better than anyone else. He's calling you to be you. To use that talent He's given you and to be you wherever He's got you. A minister a long time ago told me, he said, Carl, God's not called you to be Charles Stanley. God's called you to bloom where He's got you planted. So bloom where God has got you planted. Use the gift that He's given you where He's put you. Because guess what? Charles Stanley can't minister to the, uh, in the place that God has put you. Because He didn't put Charles Stanley in your place. He put you in your place. So serve the Lord with all that you have and be a proper steward. Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, Lord, I thank You and praise You for Your great love. Thank You so much for the outpouring of Your grace. Thank You so much for Your wonderful gift to us calling us to be a part of Your ministry, of Your work, of Your service to each other as well as to the rest of the world. Lord Father, I pray that You would help us 
to be the people that you've called us to be. Help us, Lord, to serve you the way that you've called us to serve. Lord, help us to be faithful in using your gifts to your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.